Good morning. Okay, hello. Welcome, everyone. Um, We're starting a new series in Colossians this week. We're going to look for the next six or seven weeks in the book of Colossians to see what it says to us about growth, transformation, and fruitful life. And to start with, I've got a little quiz. So um, David has got six pictures of plants that bear fruit, okay, or veg, fruit or veg. And I'd like uh, I wonder if anyone, for raise your hand rather than shouting out, and let's see, can you tell me what fruit or veg you think these plants can, um, uh, you know, will grow? Top left, yeah. Leaves. <laughs> they are leaves, but what fruit will grow in the um, in amongst those leaves? Go on, go on, be bold. Robin's right, grapes. Uh, middle at the top, uh, Helen. It's a tomato plant, that's right. Um, top right. All right. I need a hand, please. Rachel. Runner beans. Yeah, we get beans from there. Bottom left. Now, this is a tricky one. Go on, Marit. Bottom left. Courgette. What do you reckon, David? David? Squash. I did hear that. Yeah, I mean, that's really sneaky, isn't it? Because courgettes and squash, I think, are almost identical, in except it's fruit. Middle at the bottom. Dave? Monge two. Monge two. Mm. What, what does it say? I, I can't remember. Peas. Very close, very close. And the final one? Potatoes. This is potatoes. Marit's got this one. Potatoes. Fruitfulness, growth, transformation. That's, that's the kind of... the. The, 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 some of the imagery, some of the kind of the key kind of that's what's going on in this book of of Colossians. And within this passage today, we're going to find some conditions for growth and transformation. And in doing so, we're hopefully going to see and almost have faith today for transformation in our own lives. Not so that potatoes and mange too grow, but so that we would have the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives. And I'd, I think wherever you're coming today, I hope you've come in with all of who you are. You've not left anything of yourself at the door, not left any, any of perhaps the things you're carrying that are weighty and burdensome, that you come, you bring them to Jesus, hoping he changes you. And I think in this series, not just this passage, in this series, we'll see how a cowardly person can become courageous, how a negative person become, become an encourager. How a quitter, someone who just wants to give up, can find strength to endure. How a selfish person become caring about others, even during stressful times. How a warrior can become a rock. How a, someone worn out and run down can be renewed and given life. Someone who's an addict can find freedom. Someone who's full of prejudice can f- become full of understanding. And someone who's anxious can become full of peace. All of us, every part of us, is to be transformed by Jesus as Lord and Saviour. That's our hope. He is our hope for transformation. And we'll see ourselves transformed. We'll see our community, our church community transformed. We can see the world transformed because of the hope we have in him. And Paul, through his prayers and his teaching in this book of Colossians, will equip and challenge the believers in Colossae in those days in first century Turkey, but also help us 
us today resist the pressures of life in this new this world we live in today well and his emphasis to us is that we focus on Jesus and this group of followers in uh, in the book of Colossians that was written to um, they lived in a society much like our own where people worship different gods small g and there's so much pressure just to go with the flow and we're going to, the direction over the next six weeks is we're going to see how truly awesome and amazing and divine Jesus Christ is. And how he can bring life-changing transformation to people who follow him. And give strength for them to live in whatever culture they're living in. So today we're going to learn all about transformation and growth. The conditions are good for fruitfulness. So be ready for some further horticultural illustrations and garden imagery. There will be a plenty. I'm going to read the passage. Um, follow along with me either on the screen or in your Bible. These are the first 14 verses of Colossians. It's a letter, so it starts as you'd expect uh, a letter to be written. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, Faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for you, the love you have for all of God's people. The faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood it, understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who, told, uh, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We're continually asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so in the next, I don't know, 15 minutes, you're going to hear from me. I'm going to give you a chance, hopefully, if we've got time, for you to have a quick chat about it together. But we're going to see that Christians are transformed by Jesus to bear fruit like plants in the right conditions. That's what we're going to look at. Christians are transformed by Jesus to bear fruit like plants in the right conditions. And I'm going to show you how Paul presents a picture of what kind of plants he's talking about, the potting compost required for growth, and the produce of this kind of life. Okay? Sound all right? We can go there? All those peas, all that produce, and potting compost, and a picture of the kind of plant is where we're going to start. So in verses 
4 to 8, Paul paints this picture of the kind of follow. What does a follower of Jesus look like? And he uses um, imagery, vine imagery, which have echoes in, in fact, quite a lot of the Old Testament, but also in mainly Psalm 80 and John 15, where we understand the imagery of the vine. And, I mean, there is a vine in Beeston, a really beautiful vine, uh, not far from the park, down a back alley. I um, saw it this week, and there's loads of red grapes growing. But Beeston isn't really where we find lots of vines growing. But if you kind of were transported to the Mediterranean, there'd be vines everywhere. And we import it so that we can eat and drink them. But in this part of the world, and in Jesus' day as well, vines were everywhere, planted on the rolling hillsides. Every plot of land had the potential to have a small vineyard. The vine is not a strange, um, an unfamiliar analogy in the first century, nor was it to people who were Jews, who were hearing this teaching from Jesus as he spoke in John 15, or in the Psalms that were written. And this imagery of the vine, so the vine was this supreme image of Israel, who they were meant to be. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Hosea, Old Testament prophets, they refer to the vine in their books as well. And in Psalm 8, you see God planting a vine out of Egypt. And this vine um, grows and grows and bears fruit. God had cleared this land for it to grow in. And this, this vine took root it took root and brought shade to the mountains and the trees. It stretched far and wide, yet it's cut down and burned by fire. That's what Psalm 80 talks about. It's a picture of Israel and its unfaithfulness to doing as God had asked. Yet, Jesus says he is the true vine. He speaks of being the fulfillment of a promise in Psalm 80. The son you have raised up for yourself, it says. that Jesus is saying, I am that true vine. I am the true Israel. I am the one who is faithful where you, the people of God, have failed to be faithful. And he is cut down so that the people of God might not be. He, Jesus is cut down so that we might only be cut back. And there's allusion to being pruned so that we might be more fruitful. Jesus is the promised one from the shoot of the stump of Jesse. That's words from Psalm 80. He will be the faithful one. He will be the faithful one. And we're, we're coming to God's family. We're grafted in. If you, um, if you are into gardening programs, I'm sure Monty Don from Gardener's World, but also Mr. Bloom from Children's TV fame, he, they teach us how branches from one type of plant can be grafted into another one. If you've done the discipleship triplet, you've, uh, discipleship course at Mosaic, you'll have heard me talk about this. But Jesus, he redeems this picture of the vine, showing the people of God that they're not going to be cut off. They can be included, whether they are Jewish, native Israel, or they're from all over the world and can be grafted in. We see that this kind of plant the kind of plant that Paul prays that followers of Jesus would be like, fruitful, bearing, uh, bearing fruit, 
chosen by Christ, belonging to him, saved and received in grace for to live as God wants to restore and redeem the world, to be spreading out amongst the world like this vine was meant to be, connected to Jesus, transformed by the gospel. This kind of plant we see in the first eight verses, that it's one full of, God, uh, full of love for God's people, one that is growing in fruit and one that is passing on the good news from person to person and spreading all around the world. I love how, uh, as we've journeyed at Mosaic recently, just just exp- uh, just having a look at how kind of how we're doing, welcoming people from other cultures. How are we doing, interacting and growing deeply in relationship, so that we might be united as one in our hearts and in our lives. That so we'd be a people that displays to the world God's manifold wisdom, His beautiful wisdom of mu- like multicolored church. And we've as we've looked at this, we can see. In Colossi, they've got love for all of God's people. It would have been a, it would have been a very diverse town, Colossi. And in the church that's been planted, it won't be very old, that they can see this diversity and unity. Just like what we're believing God's growing here. It means for us, we've been talking about being ready to cross the room and connect with someone who we don't know very well, who's perhaps not from the same culture. Uh, it means that also in our homes, we can open our homes and show hospitality um, to people. So what kind of plant is it? What are we going for? This is one that's full of love for God's people. And this church is also one that is growing fruit. And fruit is about character growth as well as um, people being added. So it's people being saved and coming into the family of God. So it's character as well as salvation. And the fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, uh, gentleness and self-control. Emily Swingler, our Mosaic Kids worker, she taught us those um, fruits of the Spirit in a song, if you'd been part of some of the kids' stuff we did. I'm sure, yeah, there's lots of actions that go with those words. Thanks, Chloe. But, um, and so these, this, this type of plant it is, it's one that has got full of love for God's people, one that is growing fruit, verse 6, and one that is passing on good news from person to person and spreading all over the world. You'll see that language in verses 6 and 7. But I just want to look at Epaphras. So Epaphras, is, he's, he's a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. He's passionate about seeing all of God's people love God and bear fruit and the message be spread. And it was Epaphras that saw this church planted. And Epaphras has gone back to Paul, who's writing this in prison in Ephesus, um, and he says, Paul, this is how the church are. And Paul says, amazing, thank you, Epaphras. got so much to thank God for. Would he send this letter back to them and give them some further instructions? That's how we've got this letter. It's Epaphras as the messenger. Epaphras as the person who has spread the good news of Jesus. He's passed on what he's learned from Jesus, and now he's passing what, he, what Paul has learned from Jesus. Passing on, growing, bearing fruit, spreading all over the world. And it's important that we take note of this, that, that we would too become this kind of plant, this kind of people who are continuing to grow in love, continuing to bear fruit, and continuing to pass on around the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet every plant that grows needs the right conditions, right? It needs... Um, you know, so for me this year, I've probably had 
uh, a year where I've put most investment into the plants I grow in my garden. And I've not got much. It's not much of an allotment. But I've really enjoyed caring for the soil. And so this year, I bought myself some compost so I could dig in, uh, like manure-rich compost so I can dig it into the soil. When I plant tran- uh, transplant little seedlings, I use some kind of phosphorus powder, which apparently is meant to help the roots kind of uh, get into their new setting. Um, when the first fruits begin to appear, I've used this um, nitrogen-rich uh, solution that goes into the water, which should mean that the plants that grow have bigger fruit on them. And during the cold April months we had, I took lots of my seedlings into the house, put them in the kitchen, and then took them out of the house when Emma said, Dan, what are these plants still doing here? That happened on a fairly regular basis. But I was doing so, bringing them in, because I didn't want them to get frostbitten. I wanted them to thrive and be full of fruit that in this harvest season, myself, my family, and some of you, when I've given it away, you've enjoyed. And it is that these plants are so precious to me I wanted to look after them and Paul writing this letter he wants to look after these Christians he wants them to know what conditions of their life they're to have so that they might be full of uh, fruitfulness as people and as a church and I imagine if you remember uh, back at primary school you've learned of three key conditions for a plant to grow can anyone remember what they are? Water, light, and food. Water, light, and food, right? So you've got, to, you've got to feed the plant, you've got to make sure it's in the light, and you've got to make sure it gets water. It's the same here, okay? The conditions are slightly different, but there are, there are conditions, three conditions. Paul puts it in verse, verse 9. Be assured that from the day we first heard you, we've not stopped praying for you, asking God give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. So we are to be a people who are cultivating prayer lives. So our our conditions covered in prayer. This prayer life we have, Jonah referred to it earlier about that we're going to get to pray tonight at the well. We're going to pray corporately, but we're also going to pray, you pray privately. You have a connection with God. That might happen at one point in the morning, where it's you, or in the evening, you and God, or both. It might happen at regular points in a day, but we're cultivating prayer lives where we're connecting with him. We're getting from him spiritual food, and light, water. Secondly, Paul talks in verse 9 about having a wise mind. Wise mind. The, um, this, um, kind of, this wise mind, to list, uh, wisdom, is linked to knowledge of who God is. And if we know God, then we too will know what is wise. And thirdly, talks about having spirits attuned to his will. Spirit, a spirit, so kind of a, a spirit in us that kn- knows what God wants of us. A spirit that knows what God wants of us. And as we think about what God wants of us, just I just want to have a little brief aside about decision making. Maybe there's some of you today you've got a big decision to make. Should I do this? Should I do that? 
And I think that matters to God, I'm sure. And maybe he wants to reveal specifically his will. Should I get this job in this school or this job in this school? For example. But I don't want us to become a people who are so fixed about making sure I have the, exactly the right job. Or, um, I don't mean to trivialize it at all. But those do matter to God. But I, what matters, let me use an example. Of, so I see my children playing outside. And they say, Dad, what should I play on? I'm not bothered if they play on the trampoline or they play football. I'm bothered how they play, how they're interacting with one another. Are they full of love for one another? Are they considerate of other people, especially when we have friends over? Are they considerate of the needs of the the children they're playing with? It doesn't matter if it's trampoline or if it's the football goal. It's how they play, as as, more, I'd say, than what they play. And so if we're to have spirits in tune with what God wants, let's not forget how we live, not just what we do as we live. And hopefully that means it's releasing for you. It's not getting the wrong decision on options you choose. Both could be good ones as long as it's how you're living. I don't want you to be paralyzed in decision making because you have more than one option. So a wise mind, a spirit in tune with what God wants, and an active prayer life, three great conditions to be cultured and fostered in community with people. This is a letter, not to individuals. This is a letter to a group of people. I'm preaching, I'm speaking, not just to individuals, but a group of people. So do this together. Cultivate these conditions together. If um, yeah, Tonight, I hope the prayer meeting we have spurs you on to pray by yourselves. And when you pray on your, by yourselves, I hope you desire that you be praying with other people. We have um, I run a little Zoom prayer meeting on a Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m. And it, we're, it's a handful of people, but it's a welcome invite to anyone. It's on Zoom, and the uh, details are in your weekly email news. And we get to pray about Mosaic, the city, and the nations. So you can come join us. I think Mary's leading us in prayer this Wednesday morning. Okay, finally, what is the produce of this kind of plant? Um, How do we know if we're on track? How do we know if things are growing right? We can look at the walk, the fruit, the spiral, the power, and the joy. You don't need to remember all those. It just helps me frame what I'm saying. And I I find these in these verses, uh, in verses uh, 10 to the end of the passage in Colossians. The end of the passage we're looking at, anyway. Um, so we're looking at the walk. When I was a, when I was a child, um, a friend of mine, Johnny, had a picture on his wall which talked about um, walking the walk and talking the talk. That was a phrase. I don't know if it became popular in the 90s as I was a child, but it was a phrase that I heard quite a lot. And really, it was a, the poster was to encourage integrity. So you should walk the walk. If you're going to talk the talk, make sure you walk the walk. It means you... Don't just do what I say, do what I do. As a teacher, I should be putting into practice the things I'm teaching. As you as parents, if you're a parent in the room, you should be modelling the kind of life you want your children to lead. Walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And we see that in um, the way that Paul says we should live. So you live a life worthy of the Lord. Please him in every way. That's what your walk should look like. A life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Not just in your words, but also in your lives. 
Secondly, fruit, fruit in abundance. Because Paul talks about bearing fruit in every good work. The fruit that's just all around you in every part of your life. Fruit, um, as Galatians puts it, I'll read those, those again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the, the fruits of our lives should be growing all of them. We may feel a little deficient in some of them, but let's not go after the fruit themselves. We go after Jesus and his transformation, and the fruit follows. But it's a good, good sign to see our walk with Jesus is on track. So we're seeing those fruit in our lives, even under pressure. And then knowing God and his saving purpose in Jesus, what I call the spiral. You see, if we know God, it results in living for God. And if, we, if we're living for God, then the spiral deepens and our understanding of God grows then our holiness grows. As our holiness grows, we spiral deeper and deeper into knowing God and connecting with him like a spiral. And our understanding for God as we spiral down will fuel getting to know him more, living for him, walking in step with him, walking in step with the spirit to help us get to know him deeper. Knowing God, living for him, they are connected. Too often we, keep, we have our mind in one box and our bodies in another and we separate them. But in Hebrew culture, how Paul writes, they're really connected and they're a spiral that grows and grows and gets deeper. Uh, number four, we see we're strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. Um, I love the way that um, it's one, of the, uh, one of the writers um, in the Tyndale commentary puts this, that you're able to, this kind of spirit-filled life where you receive the spirit to live with patient endurance, that you can keep going even when life is hard because of what's filling you, not because of what's in front of you. So we continue to receive a source of power from God that means that you can patiently endure challenge and suffering, which no doubt in the church in Colossae they would have found. They were under pressure. There was challenge around them, challenge in the church as well as from outside of the church. So this is all about power, power to stick it out. That's Eugene Peterson's phrase from the message translation, that you'd have power to stick it out. And finally, this power gives us strength to endure patiently and overflows joy. Overflows joy. So strength, power from God gives us strength to live and we're to expect joy to flow. Do you know, um, here's another illustration from horticulture. Photosynthesis, something I struggled to say, but understood as a child, is a, the way a plant gets its own energy from the sun, takes in carbon dioxide, and produces glucose. But it doesn't, it's not only glucose, it gives off a byproduct that it doesn't need. It's part of the, the, the process. That byproduct, does anyone know what it is? Oxygen. And we need oxygen to breathe. And I think that's what's going on in the patient endurance where we receive power to live in challenging circumstances. 
receive power that gives us strength and there's a byproduct of joy that overflows as we receive power from God and connect with him. There's joy and I love that, that this overflow of power is from God to his joy. Okay, so back to that one that slides near the front. Talking of transformation. How can a cowardly person become courageous? How can someone who is negative become an encourager? How can a quitter, someone who's ready to give up, find strength to endure? How can a selfish person become caring about others, even during stress? How can a worrier become a rock? How can a, someone worn down and run uh, worn out and run down become renewed with life again? How can an addict find freedom? How can someone full of prejudice become full of understanding? How can an anxious person become filled with peace? That's what I'm hoping we find over the next six weeks, seven weeks, as we study these passages together. I'm hoping that we find, as we encounter God, we're transformed by him. We have the right conditions for the soil. In prayer, with wise minds and spirits in tune with God's will, that we see we see transformation in ourselves that moves us from the left column to the right column. It moves us as a people from the left column to the right column. And so as we kind of come into land now, I've got three questions I'd love for you to spend five minutes talking about. Each question has a, um, yeah, a direction. Um, there's a triangle that we've used, up, in and out. Up, connecting to God. In, connecting with the church. Out, connecting with the world. And so each one of those, it has one of those um, relates to them. You might take a picture, consider these with yourself if you're meeting as a discipleship triplet this week. But what are you going to commit to doing? So commit to doing being the important phrase. To grow your life-giving connection with God. What are you going to connect uh, commit to doing. So last week I heard Jonah speak about thanksgiving as part of his devotional life, part of him connecting with God. And I was really inspired. I'd seen it before, but I watched it again. We watched it here. And I thought, oh, I'm going con- to commit to using Psalms to help me praise God with thanksgiving. So what are you going to do? Secondly, you may not get onto all these questions. You may want to just give a reflection yourself in a group. You may choose a question. Um, but where are you asking for inner transformation? That, did you resonate at all with any of those, um, kind of those columns? Left column, right column. Any of those words on the left column? Is anywhere you're asking for internal transformation? And out, passing on like Epaphras. With whom can you share something of what you've heard today? With whom can you share something of what you've heard today?